and in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. These two verses we've <clears throat> talked about many times. I'll read them, verse 12, Philippians 12 and Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my brothers, as you, as you have always obeyed, not as in, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. In these two verses, first we read that it says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And this tells us the magnitude of what salvation is all about. With fear and trembling, with the fear of God, which the Bible tells us is the beginning of wisdom. Fear, fearing God, respecting Him, respecting who He is and what He's done. Having a holy fear. Not an ungodly fear, but a holy fear of God. Work our own salvation out with fear and trembling because God is at work in us. So, before we talk about what God's doing in us, it's telling us, do our part. <laughs> God is working in us. And He says, as you've done, obeyed in the past, as you've always obeyed, and now much more in my, in my presence only, but also in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, you've obeyed before. He says, continue doing it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you and me. God is at work in us. And said, so, well, what's God doing in us? And how do we recognize it? It says He's doing two things here. It mentions two things. To will and to do His good pleasure. And the first thing is, is about the will. Jesus told us, in order to follow Him, we have to deny ourselves. That means our will. We have to lay down our life. We have to lay down our will. Jesus says, whoever loves his life will lose it. This is what He's talking about. Our life means our will. Our way. The way of the world. The way of our human nature. We must lay it down in order to follow Him. And so God is working in us, not to change our will, but to put to death our will, to deny our will, and to accept His will for our life. And so, well, how do I know what God's will is for my life? In Romans chapter um, 12, I believe it is, it starts out by saying that we should... Um, I had it in my head a second ago. Let me just turn to it. <laughs> just kind of was there and vanished. It says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can find out the will of God, as it tells us here, as we offer up our life a living sacrifice. Again, talking about self-denial, laying down our will. And he says, not to be conformed by the way of this world. The way, we, the, way the world thinks, the way the world speaks, the way it acts. It's culture. It's customs that are not right. And he says, and be changed by renewing your mind. You can find out then what is a good and perfect and acceptable will of God. So God is at work in us to accept His will and to put to death, to crucify, to deny our own will. In the same book of Romans, chapter 7, Verse 15, Romans seven fifteen. For what I am doing I do not understand, for what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bring me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And the conflict between what we will to do and what our body wants to do. Our will. God wanting to do God's will. How did that get there? God put it there. The desire to do His will. How did it get? How did God's will get in my heart? This is what salvation is all about. In Colossians, in chapter one, this is what we read.
Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us, or translated us, into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have been changed, translated, or transferred. We, there's no such thing as somebody who is a Christian their whole life. We've been raised in a Christian home and heard about Jesus all our life. There is no such thing, according to the Word of God, as someone who is a Christian their whole life. There has to become a knowledge of sin and a decision made. I, am, I, need, I need a Savior. I need to be saved. I am a sinner. Jesus died for me. I believe it. I'm committing my life to it. There has to be that translation, that, that transferring from one kingdom to another. Because when we come into this life, we, have, we are in the kingdom of darkness. Well, how does that happen? We inherit it from Adam. We inherit sin from Adam. The human race inherits it, inherits it from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Through one man, Adam, comes condemnation. And through one man, Christ Jesus, comes salvation, comes deliverance, forgiveness of sin. And so there has to be that decision to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And God, when we do that, God transfers us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. That's what being born again is all about. Being born of the Spirit. That's when the transformation happens, when we're born of the Spirit. And then we become a child of God. It says, as many as receive Him, to them does He give the power to become the children of God. We must receive Christ by faith. When Philip preached Christ to the Ethiopian, he says, there's water over there. He says, what, why can't I be baptized? He says, if you believe with all your heart, then you may. And so he baptized him because he believed. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. A conscious decision to believe the message of the Gospel. We must be old enough and mature enough to understand that message and that make that decision to follow Christ and to follow His Word, to follow what He says. Accept Him as Lord. <clears throat> so God cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us our sins and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And He works in us His will. And as we read in Romans 7, you know, we, when we are born of the Spirit, we want to do the will of God. There's this desire to serve Him inside of us. But we find not how to do that. And so Paul says, who will deliver me from this bondage to my human nature? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's why as you continue in Romans chapter 8, he says, Therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. No condemnation in Christ. And God 
brings us to that place where we are no longer in condemnation. And He works all that in us. Because not only does He give us the will, but He gives us the power to will and to do His good pleasure. And in order to do the will of God, in order to do His good pleasure, we don't find that power in us. The young believer or the immature believer does not find that power in himself. And he feels like, Paul, oh wretched man that I am, I can't do this. And he comes to the Lord with this feeling of frustration. And what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, not able to do what forget the word (laughs) not able to do what he is God is calling us to do not having that capacity and so we come to the Lord and the Lord he reveals something to us that he's given us his spirit he's given us power and love and a sound mind through his spirit says in Timothy the power to do the will of God He's working in us to do His will by His power. The Bible says we, in Peter, he says that we are uh, kept by faith in the power of God. A lot of believers believe the message of the cross, but they don't believe in the power that's behind the message. It is not, it's the power of God to save us, but it's the power of God to keep us to walk the Christian life. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1, before Jesus was ascended to heaven, he says this to his disciples right before he ascended. He said, but wait here in Jerusalem, he says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you shall be my witnesses. Not just in speech, in talk, in preaching, but in manner of living, in the way we live. The power. The power not just to pray for somebody, and to pray for things and things to happen, but the power to control ourselves. It is a spirit of self-control. God is working us in us, this awareness of the power that He has for His children. Sometimes we just don't, some just don't believe it. And if I say, this is temptation is too hard for me. I can't get control of my life in this area, or in that area. This is part of the Gospel that God is working into us to believe in His power. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says that God is bringing things into our lives. All different kinds of things. He says, so even the spirit of life, so in that we would learn to trust in God and not ourselves. So this is kind of a review of all we've been talking about. 
What is God working in our life? He's teaching us not only to will, but to do these things. To trust Him. In all, He brings problems upon us that are beyond our ability to be able to work out. And the reason why He does this, the proverbial backs against the wall, is in that to learn not to trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. A process that God is working in us, and He tells us to work out, to live out. In James chapter 1, we've read this many times. Can all joy, brothers, when you go through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience. But that patience have its perfect work, that you may become mature and complete and lacking nothing. Last week the whole message was about maturity. And God is intending to work maturity out in our life. And here it tells us in James 1, it tells us that is through the problems He brings into our life. That He intends to mature us. Working maturity in our life. God is at work in our life. So when it says we'll work it out, it means to embrace it, believe in it, and to live it. To live by the things that we're learning. That God is teaching us. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be at work in us to teach us. Will be a teacher to us. God is teaching us things. But a lot of times, we're not in the right frame of mind to learn. You know, if we're carnally minded, and God is working in us to be spiritually minded, of course, but if we're carnally minded, all this stuff is a lot of foreign language. It's a mystery to us. But as we draw close to God, and His Spirit begins to reveal things to us, it's no longer a mystery anymore. It's no longer the confusion. God is not the author of confusion, the Word says. He is teaching us many things. And he, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be a guide to us. He's working guidance into our life. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We read a few weeks ago. He's guiding us. He's working out guidance into our life. God is really working. We're under construction. There's scaffolding up all over the place in our life. And one of the biggest hindrances to all the work that God is doing in our life is that person in the mirror. Our human nature. Because our human nature wants to work out its will in our life. And that's why we see this constant contradiction in our life that Paul talked about. You know, the one side of us wants to do a will of God, there's another side of us wants to do our own will. And they are in constant conflict with each other. This tugging of war. 
And, and to us, it's a matter of who are we going to yield to. Romans 6 says, yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness unto God, and not yield ourselves as instruments of the flesh, to serve the flesh. That's how the devil begins to get influence and sway in our life. So then we we go to uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter twelve. I believe Dan brought this up a few weeks ago. In verse three, at the end of verse three, it talks about becoming weary and discourage in our souls. And in verse 5, that's Hebrews 12.5, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or disciplines, and scourges every son he receives. You know what scourging is, don't you? Scourging in those days meant, you know, you get tied to a post and you get 40 lashes, you know. <clears throat> That's pretty severe. But it, in the discipline that God brings into our life, and He uses things that He allows things to come through His protective net on us, His children, the net that He has over His children... He allows certain things to get our attention. Because in this war between the flesh and the spirit, we're listening to the flesh in certain areas of our life. And God is allowing certain things to happen in our life to get our attention. What he calls discipline or scourging or chastening. And he says in verse 7, If you endure discipline, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Does not chasten, I'm sorry. So it goes on to say, If you are without chastening, of which you are all become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who have corrected us and paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us, as seemed best for that to them. But He, God, chastens us for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. God is working something into our life. In Corinthians it says, God says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God has called us into a holy life. And the areas of our life that we're resisting and following the way of the world, the way of the flesh, the way of the devil, God's saying no. And so, certain difficulties happen in our life. And it's important for us to recognize them. And say, God wants me to repent of certain things. 
God will bring into remembrance certain areas He's been speaking about that we've been resisting and stonewalling Him about. And so here comes a wave of discipline, another wave of discipline. Saying, hello, you know. I remember as a young man, God was uh, convicting me of something. The Holy Spirit was bringing conviction into my life about certain things I was doing wrong. And as I was in the middle of doing one of them, I had my head down and I walked straight into a metal post and slammed my head. Got myself a good welt in my forehead. <clears throat> and I knew right then and there, right then and there I knew, someone was sending, God was sending me a message. And there was another time as a young Christian that I was driving down the street going somewhere I shouldn't be going. And <clears throat> uh, I had an accident. Right in downtown Norristown. And <clears throat> I didn't really think much of it. And then two weeks later, I was going to the same place. And uh, two blocks further down the road, the same road, two blocks further down, <clears throat> I got caught behind. from behind. I had another accident. A man who was driving... I saw at the last minute, saw him driving the rearview mirror as a 25 mile an hour zone. He must have been doing about 60 or 7 and he smacked the rear of my car. I was doing about 25, 30. And <clears throat> when it happened the second time, you know, and as I began to ponder all this, it came very clear to me. God was saying, wrong way, you already know it. And now I'm trying to get your attention. And I got God's message there. And I stopped. And so sometimes it's very blatant like that, but sometimes it's more subtle. It's up to the Lord how, how blatant or severe it is. But I tell you that because God is working out in us a holy life. And if we are resisting it, we see what God's going to do. He's going to discipline us so that we will be partakers of the holy life to reject our own will, and to accept the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to accept His will for our life. And you know, it's really important that we recognize these things, otherwise we're going, going walking around, you know, with our head in, in a cloud, saying, what in the world just hit me? You know, what in the world is going on? And just, you know, just be taking discipline without any profit. Until we recognize God is at work in our life. To do his will, to will and to do his good pleasure. He puts his will in our life, in our hearts, and he get, empowers us to do his will. And if we have the power and we have the will, we're still not doing it. Here comes, here comes the rod of the Lord to discipline us, because he loves us. It says right here, he's doing it because he loves us. He wants us to be partakers of his life, his holy life. And that's, he's doing it for our best interests. Just like we, as fathers, if we're godly fathers, if we're good fathers, we're disciplining our children for their good, as we think is best for them. And that's what God is doing. And he knows what's best. And so, when he's disciplining us, it says in verse 11, Now, no discipline or chastening, verse 11, 
seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, he yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God has an end game in all that he's doing. The fruit of righteousness. Those who have been exercised by his discipline. He knows exactly what he's doing. And it's painful sometimes. We sing a song that's in this chorus book. It says, break my heart, O God. (laughs) Sometimes we need to have our will broken, our heart broken, of the things that we have that death grip on that God's saying, let go of. Let it go. Let it go. For walking in the fear of man, let it go. For walking in the flesh, let it go. There's things that we're doing and walking in and holding to that we shouldn't be. Let it go. And yes, that discipline can and will be painful if necessary. You can do it subtly. You know, God can do it in many ways. Maybe first subtly and gently and then turn up the heat if necessary. Turn up the pain level if necessary, so to speak. Because His intention is for us to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. To yield the fruit of the Spirit. 30, 60, and 100 fold, as Jesus said. So it says in verse 12, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be be healed. So when we're disciplined by God, He said, <laughs> strengthen the hands which hang down the feeble knees, make straight paths for your feet. Don't keep going the wrong way. Go that straight and narrow path. Straight path for your feet. So that, that which is lame from the discipline, that which is whooped, might be healed. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, Pursue peace with all men and righteousness or holiness. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And that's why he's teaching us, you know, to partake of his holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So this is something to really ponder and to think about what God is at work in our life. So that we may interpret our life in the eyes of the Spirit. And not according to our human nature and according to our will. And I want this. You know, I've said it. I heard other Christians saying it. Well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I, you know, after that I'm going to do this. And the book of James says it's arrogant. We're not being arrogant. He says that we should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Because I can tell you, we can make all these plans, but God can put up a wall as big and as high and as wide as He needs to to stop us in our tracks if necessary. And all that talk, you know, because if we're saying, oh, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and we don't take into account the will of God. That God's will may not be in that area. We don't seek God concerning His will. Maybe there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of barricades, dead ends we're going to find. So, 
That's up for us, to, you know, as the Lord wrestles inside each of us to find out what He's saying, what He's doing, which way is the arrow pointing, which way is the Holy Spirit leading? Because we read that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a guide to us. God is working guidance into our life through the Holy Spirit He's given us. Teaching us, giving us wisdom and guidance. He's working it into us. <clears throat> One of the things that God is working into us is to putting our hope fully in His grace. That's in the Bible verse. To put our hope fully in His grace when He comes. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. To put our hope fully in the work of Jesus on the cross. And to put our faith that the blood He shed is there for the forgiveness of our sins. And to put our hope fully in that and not in our own works, in our own righteousness. Because it can get very tricky. The enemy is very subtle. And so He's working that in us, the hope fully in the blood of Christ. It says in the book of Hebrews <clears throat> that Jesus died that He may bring us to God. And this is <clears throat> one of the things that God is working into our life. In the book of Psalms it says the nearness of God is our good. In the book of James it says draw close to God and He will draw close to us. And this is the aim of God. That we would draw, take the time and the energy to draw close to Him. He, will, he gives us the power to do it. That's His will. He puts His will. We know that's in us. That desire is somewhere in us to be close to God. But now He says, draw close to Me. Draw close to God and God will draw close to us. That's His will. To have a relationship a personal relationship with Him. That we are drawing close to Him. It's in there. That desire is somewhere in our hearts. And that we have to work it out. To draw close to God. And as we draw close to God, we are going to be surprised that His nearness is going to come really near. If we press through. Because there is going to be a war again. There's going to be resistance to that. The enemy doesn't want that. Our human nature has no concern for, no, no concern for that at all. That's not will of the flesh. It's the will of God. And so there's going to be a fight to draw close to God. And as we do, He's going to draw close to us. And that is what God is working in us, in all things, to draw close to Him and Him to draw close to us. That's what His intention is. Isn't there a desire in the hearts of us who are parents to 
be close to our children. Maybe we are, and, you know, sometimes we feel a little distant from us. Ah, you know, you know, maybe I'm going to spend the day with this one here. I feel far away from that one, you know, one of my children. Today I'm going to take a day to just maybe take them out to breakfast or go, you know, play ball with them or just do something with them. Have a day with that one. I feel far away from them. You're far from my children. I gotta do something about that. We and and so we do something about it. And so God is at work in us because He has that yearning, that desire for us to be close to Him. And He's reaching out to us and He's saying, Reach out to me. You know? We read in the Old Testament, God says of the children of Israel, He says, All day long I stretched out my hand to a a stiff-necked and disobedient people. You know, they resisted His will always, it says. But God is reaching out to us. And he wants us to grab His hand, so to speak, and draw close to Him. You know, because that's what good parents want. They want to be close to their children. And so, the children, He puts in us desire be close to Him. But yeah, there's all those other things. We're too busy, we're too self-willed, too self-confident, and too many self-other things. And so, again, the conflict. God, as we come back to where we started here, God is at work in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. To change our will? No. To put to death our will. And to embrace the will of our Lord and Master. And then, after we accept His will, He empowers us and works in us to do His will. I want to finish by thinking of a couple thoughts one from Peter. It says, in First Peter, that we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. To follow His footsteps. His life. His manners. His love. Love one another as I have loved you. He's trying to work out His love in our life. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. The Spirit He's given us. Well, if the Spirit of love is in our hearts, He wants us to, He says, work it out or live it out. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And this is something we've been reading week after week, these kinds of things. To walk the way Jesus did. Walk in His footsteps. To be, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 it says, to be changed day by day into the image of Jesus, His Son. To be like Him. And 1 John chapter 2. It says, Those they say 
they know him, should walk just as Jesus walked. To live the, the life of Christ. He says, well, how does that happen? God works it in us. We work it out. We live it out. Galatians chapter 2, the declaration of Paul. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He's walking by faith. This happens by faith. This is, this, for a Christian, this must be done by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what we've been reading. Faith in what we've read in the Word of God. What God has done for us and is doing for us and has put in us and, and is working in us. Do we believe that God has put these things in us? He's working these things in us. That this is the work that God is doing in us. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, as they say in theology. The, the work of sanctification, separation. The work of holiness. Separation from the world. Separation from the flesh. Separation from the influence of the devil. That we should have nothing to do with those things. Do we believe this? Do we believe that God has put that in us? His will and His power to do His pleasure. And this is what Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. My flesh is crucified with Jesus. My will is crucified with Jesus. My way, my thoughts, my all is crucified. And I'm no longer alive. We've died with Christ, it says in Romans 6. We've been raised with Him to walk in a new life. Not my life, he says, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live is a new life. That I live by faith in God, the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. This is some. This is a word of meditation that we can meditate on and think on, and embrace as we understand that this is what God is doing in us. He's not just there to hang out. He's not just there. in a subtle way. He's there working in a powerful way. It may seem subtle to us if we're shutting Him out. If we're being stubborn and self-willed. We're not going to hear, we're not going to see, we're not going to embrace, we're not going to perceive these things. Until we recognize that there's certain things that we have to deny that we're being stubborn about. That we're resisting God in certain areas. And He will He will get our attention in whatever way He needs to. But He loves us. And that's where, instead of us being scared, instead of us being fearful, instead of us being um, shaky, if you remember this, this is all a process of love that God is working out. It's His love that's doing all these things because He has our best interests in mind and He loves us. He gave Himself for us. What more can He give? Gave His own life for us. He loves us. Work out your own salvation. 
with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you to will and to do with His good pleasure. I'm finished. Any brothers want to 